Impress your friends, amaze your co-workers, make your family proud. Here's what you need to know. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. program begins right now here on your home of the AFC and the NFC Championship game. That's right here on both. Right here on your home of the National Football League, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, we will have the uh, Chiefs and Ravens followed by the 49ers and Lions this Sunday here on your home of the National Football League, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, much to get to here in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. Gary Parrish, our college basketball insider, still to come. Today, still more. But wait, now how much would you pay? But wait, there's more. Yeah. Thing is, you don't have to pay anything. We're right here. Yeah, we're right here. Three. So there you have it. Just uh, come on down and enjoy. Um, all right. Um, we don't have any Chiefs news because they no. don't ever give us any injuries. No. We probably know what's going on with Joe Tooney, but yeah. we're not going to find out till tomorrow. College baseball. We're doing college baseball. We'll start with that, then. Let's hear from Alex Gordon. He is getting inducted into the College Baseball Hall of Fame, and uh, he's happy the uh, hall will finally have a home. You know, it's exciting to have it here in Kansas City, but I know they're going back and forth with Omaha, which is the home of, you know, the World Series and everything, you know, kind of close to my hometown. So I was kind of, you know, back and forth. But, you know, it would have been great to have it at either location, um, I think. And, you know, you're right. College baseball is kind of more on the map now. And last year, uh, being a coach now with my older boys, um, we played in the uh, Omaha Super Series, which is in Omaha during the World Series, and I got to visit my first college world series game which is florida against lsu and to see the fan base and see the excitement through that through college baseball was, was something that was really exciting and fun to watch museum at prairie fire yep pretty cool pretty darn cool Their yeah first ever physical location right here in overland park i agree and um pretty cool that uh, he's going to be one of the guys going in yes couldn't, yeah. couldn't have worked out better couldn't have worked out better. So uh, congratulations to everybody. I know we know a lot of people that worked pretty hard on that, including uh, our buddy Kevin Timmons, mm-hmm. um, who worked really hard on that. So uh, congrats, but uh, good news, and congrats to uh, Alex Gordon on that one. All right, uh, let's talk a little uh, Kansas City Chiefs football. Uh, on NFL Network this morning, Sean O'Hara, former offensive lineman. For the uh, Giants. Yep, for the Giants. Um this is uh, yeah. I'll set this up. They, okay. they showed a clip. Part of it didn't sound good audio. They showed a clip from last week as they were ranking the eight quarterbacks in the uh, in the NFL playoffs in the divisional round. And he had uh, I can't remember who was first, but he had Josh Allen two, and he had um, Patrick Mahomes three. And so they went back and played that back, and then said, "Hmm, what do you think?" And uh, he stood by his choice of Allen over Mahomes this morning. That's- Josh played his butt off. Sorry, Sorry. I, I was just going to throw it to it since my yeah. bad. Josh played his butt off. And look, he's won. Uh, we, we got robbed again. We? We? As NFL fans. Your friends? As NFL. <laughs> no, we're friends. Let me, let, me, let me finish this. 
as NFL fans, we got robbed by another chance for to see more Josh Allen in that game. If the kicker makes the field goal, we're going into overtime. So I go back to that 13-second game where they changed the overtime rules because of that game because Josh didn't get a chance to do that. But, look, I would those rankings right there, I mean, you could change them week to week if you want. But still, I'm taking – Regardless of the outcome, I'm taking Josh Allen every single time. Why are you taking Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes, the guy who's won multiple Super Bowls? He's been a multiple MVP both in Super Bowls and the regular season. I think Mahomes has the better team. That's why. But I, but but pure quarterback play, I think Josh Allen. Oh, is, is no, no, you're not gonna get me going viral. You're not get me going viral on that. That that came from Sean. Sean O'Hara. That did not come from Bucky Brook. No, well, no, no, you no. You can't no. argue that the Chiefs have a better <laughs> defense right now. Uh, I mean, they do have better, a better defense, better tight end, yeah. better running back, better offensive line. So look, Mahomes. This is not a disrespect on Mahomes. Look, I mean, I, if Josh Allen, it's one A and one B right there. Like I said, you can you know alternate them week to week. But Chiefs have the better team. Mahomes has a better team. Josh Allen, he's still looking for some help. Can I get somebody to catch the ball? Can I get somebody to make the football? Oh. How many guys do they have to go get Josh Allen before he has someone to catch the ball? Stephen Diggs they went out and got. They, you know, Dalton Kincaid they draft this year. They already had Dawson Knox. I mean, can I get someone to, to hold on to the ball in a conversation about Patrick Mahomes' 2023 season? Where they like were epically bad when it comes to the drops. The best part about and that the that's all over the Twitter is the reaction, the facial expressions of the two hosts when he said that. It's just it's like oh, the jaw hit the table like it does in a, like a Warner Brothers cartoon. Boom. And then he just kept going. You're just like, dude, you've got to be kidding me. You know, we were talking about this a little bit early on when it when it came to the quarterback position, but it, it you know, Bill Self has had some disappointments in the Elite Eight, but he's gone to the Final Four three times. He's won two championships, right? If you if you want to go four times, I'm sorry, thank you, uh, four Final Fours. Um, if if uh, I, I corrected it, <laughs> I corrected it. <laughs> But you know, if you want to go to lots of final fours, go to lots, go to way more elite eights. Yeah. You know, you want to. That's what you got to do. And like at some point, Josh Allen's had six years now to get there. He hasn't gotten there in each and every game. There's a reason why. Yes, the kicker missed. By the way, with one forty-seven to go, to think that Patrick Mahomes couldn't go down and get a field goal when he got a field goal in thirteen seconds. The last time these teams played in the playoffs is just. It's just. That that guy's a moron. He also. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, he, like I, I, yeah. I usually don't like to throw that around, but you're just you're just either a shock jock trying to get some clicks, or you're an idiot if you would make the statement. Well, if the kicker makes that field goal, we're going to overtime. And if if he cans the field goal and the Bills win in overtime, is he going to sit back and say we were robbed of seeing more Patrick Mahomes because McCole Hardman? Because yeah. that field goal is Ill- yeah. irrelevant you know, if McCole Hardman doesn't try to reach because it's, it's what, a five-minute game and ten points? And, and you know what people don't say about Patrick Mahomes? Well, Patrick Mahomes could have won a championship if D. Ford didn't line up offsides. Mm-hmm. Right? D. Ford lining up offsides kept Patrick Mahomes from going to the Super Bowl in his first year. But you want to know why people don't talk about it? Because he's gone three more times! And he's won twice! <laughs> I mean... You know, like, yes, each and every season, each and every loss or disappointment has one or two plays that were big, you know, if you didn't just get housed, right? You know what people don't talk about in the 13-second game? Harrison Buckers missed extra point. Look it up. You probably don't even remember that he missed an extra point. But they're not in that situation unless that happens. 
And you want to know why we don't talk about it? Because Patrick Mahomes drove him to a field goal in 13 seconds. And Harrison Bucker kicked the field goal in 13 seconds. I'm not trying to yeah. pick on Bucker. Bucker's been nails. But, like, there, yes, in every close game, there's a spot that's, you know, wow, this one against him. And if he could just turn that around, it might have been or maybe even probably would have been different. But the great ones are back the next year, ready to overcome whatever, right? Like, yes, Patrick Mahomes is not perfect, but six years in a row he's been in the AFC Championship game. Josh Allen's made it once. You want to know why? It's not a better team. Yes, better team? Better team because the best player on the planet heads up the better team. There's also nobody saying that on the other side of that same coin, if things going for you, there's nobody saying, well, Tom Brady only made it because of the tuck rule, and Tom Brady only made it because D. Ford went off sides. And the reason nobody is saying that is because he went to ten of them. Yeah. And he he had things bounce his way in, in... and it happens, but things bounce your way over the course of a game. But he went to 10, so you sound like a boob if you go, well, yeah, he only made two of them because of this or that. Well, okay, what about the other eight? Yeah. Josh Allen every single time. Yeah, I'll take Pat. Yeah. And I'll probably kick your ass, <laughs> especially if it's January. Pick the spot. All right, another big quarterback matchup. This It was big for Josh Allen. He failed. He goes to the back of the line now of whatever tier he's at. Now Lamar Jackson gets his shot against Patrick Mahomes on ESPN Today. Herm Edwards said all the pressure's on Lamar. Can you beat Patrick Mahomes and get into the final game? But that, That's going to be the question. We're going to talk about that all week, about Lamar Jackson. He's in position now to get his team to the big game. And Lamar knows it. He's the quarterback. He might not say it. But they all know because it's a quarterback league, and that's what we talk about. You know, at the end, you know, when you you play football and you're in an era, who's the guy? Well, the guy now is Patrick Mahomes. And all this season when they lost their first game against Detroit, everybody said they're not the same, and they weren't the same team. His numbers weren't the same. But when the playoffs started, he's the guy you got to deal with. And until you beat him, you ain't going nowhere. I mean, how many quarterbacks have to be favored against Patrick Mahomes? To where they're supposed to win. Yeah. You know, and in this case, Herm Edwards is saying it. You know, can you beat him? I mean, they have the better defense, according to most, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They run the ball better. Yeah. They certainly have bigger name recognition at wide receiver. Like, there's, there's no crying about, you know, uh, their left tackle's finally healthy. And going to play. And you're at home. And you're at home. So, look, again, I'm, I'm leaning towards, you know, I'm thinking, I'm not even leaning, I'm thinking the Ravens are going to win this game. But, like, if they don't, there's no excuses. Right? There's no excuses. Pat, you know, Patrick Mahomes will be front and, and center in why the Chiefs win. Yeah, if he wins this one, back-to-back on the road against two of the three, he will then have beaten Burrow, Allen, and Lamar Jackson in a four-game span of the postseason. That in between, he beat, he beat that, Brock Purdy, yeah. uh, or he beat uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, uh, Hurts, who was the the flavor over yeah. on the NFC side last year. And then it's just like, let's just close the door, put the lock on it. Patrick Mahomes owns the NFL. Uh, Raiders are working to hire former Chargers general manager Tom Telesco as their new GM. This according to Adam Schefter today. And the Milwaukee Bucks have fired Adrian Griffin. 30 and 13. <laughs> and you got to go. Uh, we had Brian D on yesterday from Milwaukee, and he was talking about, like, Adrian Griffin's just getting completely outcoached. 
Well, we'll see. I mean, 30 and 13, the, the next guy's got a bar he needs to live up to. Uh, let's talk college basketball with Gary Parrish next. Welcome back here to the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Time to talk some college basketball with our college basketball insider. Gary Parrish is with us from CBS Sports. Uh, he's 25-1, and one, must view every day of the uh, college basketball season. Gary's appearance with us is brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. If you suffer an orthopedic injury in everyday life or playing sports, sprains, strains, fractures, joint injuries, the University of Kansas Health System offers orthopedic walk-in care. They're right there at 435 and all in OP weekdays like today, 8 a.m. to 7. Saturdays, it's 8 to 2. You can learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics. Gary, how are you, sir? Wonderful. How you been? Doing great. Doing well. Um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, we're going to start being on the uh, uh, naughty list for Kansas fans because we talk about limitations and then they go out and lose. <laughs> uh, we talk about the Ken Palm having him knocked down. And you said last week, Ken Palm is usually it's usually the rankings catch up to Ken Palm, not Ken Palm catches up to the rankings. This is it, it's it's an interesting thing. There are a lot of metrics out there that say they're playing their optimum lineup, um, which I always I love analytics, but. You know, if you played another lineup more, would it become the optimum lineup, right? There is a little right. bit of a chicken and the egg to it. But they're playing their optimum lineup. But what's amazing is they're playing bigger. We talked about a four-out, one-in approach last week. They're playing bigger, and they still get killed on the boards. Right. Like they got the 7-1-plus center who gets on the glass, yet they're getting, you know, just wrecked on the boards. Cincinnati, they, they get by a good Cincinnati team, a bubble-ish Cincinnati team. But they get they get dominated on the boards. Like if you're going to play big, shouldn't you at least win on the glass? Yeah, but I I think sometimes there's a difference between being big and being tall. And I think Kansas is maybe taller than they are big, okay. if that makes sense. Um, obviously, it's not a great rebounding team so far. It's not great at much. Like by Kansas's normal standards, like they're outside of the top 25 in adjusted offensive efficiency, outside of the top 25, or or like on the you know, uh, edge of the top 25 and adjusted defensive efficiency, not a great uh, uh, offensive rebounding team, not a great defensive rebounding team. Um, there's, But I always think it's important to take a step back and look at the big picture, particularly with a Kansas, with a program like Kansas. And it is important to recognize right now they're, they're still 16 and three. Um, they're, they're, they're still a team that's seven and two in the first two quadrants. They do now have a quadrant three loss. That's not ideal, but this is still from a resume perspective, one of the best teams in the country. It would be seated, um, really high if we started the NCAA tournament today, but clearly there are some flaws, um, with them. It's, it's been, uh, I think noticeable that, I believe I've heard Bill say it twice, either in halftime interviews or postgame interviews over the past week or so, like the importance of having all five starters play well. He says that now in ways that I don't think he's regularly said it before. And that's obviously in reference to something we talked about before, which is they've got four awesome players, but we've been looking for that fit. It was some thought it could be a Marco Jackson, but it, it, it hasn't been Nick Timberlake. It hasn't been. They turned to Johnny Furphy and he's been, um, a little up and down, but last night, obviously terrific. Seven of eight from the field, 23 points, 11 rebounds in 36 minutes. I think if he continues to not do that, like I think sometimes we get caught up 
people will watch him go 23 and 11 and go, well, if Furphy plays like that every night, Kansas is going to be tough to deal with. Well, of course, but he's not going to play like that every night. Um, you just needed to play like that some nights and be consistently good most nights. And if he can be that just consistently good most nights, I do think that's a changing dynamic for, for Kansas. But um, I, I guess if you're a KU fan, the thing you hold on to is it was just a couple of years ago you had a flawed team that looked like a flawed team, and it still went on to win the national championship. Right. I, I think this one could be similar. Um, a flawed team that had some bumps. Um, the rotations uh, had to get straightened out as the season progressed. But there, there's very little doubt in my mind that we'll look up in March and we'll be talking about Kansas as a legitimate championship contender. Again, the details aren't great, but but the big picture stuff is still mostly good. If we are, what does it look like? Where do they get better? Is it somebody emerges? Is it a mark? I mean, he's down to like playing seven guys, and one of them, Brown, is fringy. Uh, you know, for, for this level of play. I, I, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but I, I think yeah. in an ideal world, he doesn't get off the bench, right? He's depth for like a break glass in case of emergency type of situation, and he's playing some regular minutes. They're playing seven guys for all practical purposes. And I, I, here's the thing. I think you can. I, I mean, I think seven's on the low end. I'd prefer eight. But eight is really all you need. There's a lot of data that shows that. I mean, obviously, it's got to be eight healthy. And foul right. trouble can make it where you wish you had nine. And a turned ankle could make it where you wish you had ten. But the Denver Nuggets, once they got to the playoffs last season, and that's obviously a 48-minute game, but they used eight guys. They yeah. used eight guys to, to win the NBA title last year once they got to the playoffs. So I think you can win with seven in college basketball. And Bill, in his Just, post-game me, interview – Before, before with, you move off from that, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Gary, but yeah. does any team that wins with seven have a Jokic-type player? Like, I'm not saying – There you go. That's fair. Do, do you have <laughs> yeah. to have a star to get by with seven or eight? There you go. Perfect. Okay, maybe that's maybe that's a better point. Like, uh, yeah, if you got Nikola Jokic, you only need seven other dudes and you can get this thing done. I, I just think that depth is – almost always overstated as something that's important unless injuries or foul trouble, or that kind of stuff creeps up. Right. Uh, you know, if, if, if Kansas loses two starters, then the lack of depth will be a big issue. But if you tell me they've got seven reliable players going into the NCAA tournament, I'll say that's enough to get it done. And Bill sort of touched on this a little bit in his postgame interview with Scott Van Pelt last night on sports center. Um, he, you know, he accurately noted that, you know, once you get, to the NCAA tournament, the time mats are longer. Um, you've got more time to rest. Um, like, I, I don't think many coaches ever get into it and go, man, I, we just couldn't win this tournament because we didn't have 10 good players. It's usually more specific than that. We couldn't win this tournament because we didn't have enough guys playing well at the right time. But I don't think, you know, there are, there are clearly teams that have better rosters than Kansas and more depth than Kansas. But I'd rather have an awesome top four and a shaky next three than just a pretty good top nine because I, I, I want the great top four. Again, this is not perfect. And this is another thing where, you know, having to remove Arterio Morris from the program in the preseason might, you know, be costly. Like that, that's another body for you who could have been a part of, of your rotation. So it, it's, it is something to pay attention to. But how about this? If Kansas doesn't win the national championship, I don't think it'll be because they didn't have, um, eight or nine good enough players. I think it'll be because they never figured out how to get more than four or five. Um, uh, Adam always says, and he's brought this up a couple of times, brought it up earlier today. They're missing their Terrell Reed. They're missing their Brady Morningstar. They're missing their, I mean, maybe Christian Brown was going to be that guy and he ended up being better 
You know, he ended up being a leave early guy instead of a get a redshirt year and be a 23-year-old, you know, fifth-year guy. Um, They're kind of missing that guy that's, you know, maybe he always wanted to play at Kansas and came and didn't mind not getting as many minutes and just worked on his game, worked on his game, worked on his game. They don't seem to have that. Is this the the transfer portal finally, you know, showing its, you know, the, the, the way guys move around now affecting Bill Self? Or is it just as simple as, this is the residual effect of having the NCAA investigation hanging over the program's head for like five years. Can I say, I think it's all of it. Yeah. I think all of it plays a role. I think the NCAA investigation clearly hindered in recruiting at Kansas recently before that under Roy Williams at North Carolina. There's never been a coach who's dealt with uh, a years long investigation who will tell you it didn't impact recruiting on some level. And Kansas is still dealing with that. I, I think also a factor though is, the days of getting into a program and waiting your turn it, it are almost over. I mean, you're going to find some exceptions to this rule. And honestly, R.J. Davis at North Carolina is a pretty good exception to this rule. He was, as a freshman, I think the fifth leading scorer on the team. Like, he played, but he's just a role player. And now he's leading the ACC in scoring as a senior. He's clearly North Carolina's best player. It's this weird deal where – um a guy who's the fifth leading player scorer on a team becomes the leading scorer for that same program, while the guy who was previously leading scorer is still within the program. My point being, Armando Baycott, who was the leading scorer three years ago, is still on the team. This would be like take your favorite NBA team, whatever it is, and look at the uh, if they got a twenty-five year old leading scorer on, on their team, and you and then the fifth leading scorer is also say twenty-five, and you look up in three years, and the guy who's the fifth leading scorer is now the best player on the team like that wouldn't have been that, that's, that's not usually how this stuff works so there's a situation where rj davis sort of stuck it out and stayed in the program and progressively got better and carved out a bigger role but more often than not these days because of the one-time transfer waiver if you're if you don't have the role you want right now and you don't think it's obviously available to you next season you are leaving and obviously kansas has um you know been on the wrong side of that on the right side of it sometimes too Hunter Dickinson being a great example, but certainly on the wrong side of it. And it can rob you of the depth that we're talking about. And perhaps that's something that um, is a, is a sensible thing to point to when you uh, look at Bill Self still trying to figure out exactly who he can play and who he can't. He doesn't have the depth he otherwise would have um, in part because of the transfer portal. And then also in part because of, you know, off the court uh, situations in the preseason. We're talking to Gary Parrish here in the program, our college basketball insider is brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Um, Gary, we talked last week on a Tuesday that night, K-State had a big game. They had Baylor. Uh, they went out and handled business. By the way, they were favored in that game to which uh, sent off alarm <laughs> bells. To me, I mean, like there's a great trend in uh, betting a, an unranked team favored at home against a ranked team. That, you know, that used to be gold back in the day. But it's usually a team that, like, if you went the rankings down, was like, they're 33 and they're playing 22. It's usually not K-State, which was quite a ways past 25. Mm-hmm. That's favored against the number nine team in the country, as that was. Um, you talked about it. If they get that win, boy, now it starts to look a, a lot more like, okay, you can get their one because you, you feel confident they can win other games uh, that, that look tougher on their schedule. But um, how far apart are K-State and Baylor? Why would the odds makers have them favored if they didn't think they were fairly close on paper? Yeah, you know, um, the octagon of doom is right. uh, an, an obvious uh, thing that would move the needle in, in that direction. Um, Jerome Tang's success short term but still success against his former employer maybe plays a role into that but um 
I, like you, was a little surprised to see that number, but wasn't necessarily surprised to see Kansas State win. Frankly, I'm at a point where I, I – I don't think Kansas State's the best team in the Big 12, obviously, but I think they can beat anybody in the Big 12 in that building, anybody. They won't win all their home games, but they could. They certainly could. And I think they're going to get there if by there we mean the NCAA tournament. And that'll be quite a um, an achievement by, by Jerome because there was a time not too long ago where – you know, they were getting blown out by Nebraska and the computer numbers were terrible. And it looked like this might just be a, a rough second season as a division one head coach. They can't all be like last year, but they're now four and one in the big 12 and going back nearly a decade. What history shows us is, is if, if you finish at least 500 in the big 12, you'll get to the NCAA tournament. Literally nobody since I believe 2016 or 17 has missed the NCAA tournament after going at least 500 in the Big 12. And so Kansas State is only five more wins away from that. They're four and one. And this might sound contradictory, but I don't think that it is. Typically, we think a a not weak schedule, but a less difficult than it otherwise could be schedule might be problematic for you trying to build an at-large resume. Like that's a problem for Florida Atlantic going forward and for Memphis going forward. If they continue to take bad losses, like where are you going to build your resume? Well, the Big 12 is interesting in the sense that even the weakest Big 12 schedule is going to give you tons of opportunities to build a resume. So it's not the worst thing in the world to have a weak Big 12 schedule. My point being this, Kansas State, um, there are only two sub um, 100 teams in the Big 12 relative to the net. It's West Virginia and Oklahoma State. We don't have a true round robin in the Big 12 anymore. Kansas State gets to play Oklahoma State twice and West Virginia twice, and they also get to play UCF. So the maximum number of games in the Big 12 you can play against the three worst teams in the Big 12, according to the net, is obviously six. You have to not be UCF, not be West Virginia, not Oklahoma State, and then get to play all those teams two times each. Kansas State gets to play them five times. Five of their Big 12 games are against the three worst teams in the Big 12, and they are already one, two, three, and oh against those teams. So three of their four wins comes against the bad teams. Here's my nobody cares, and at the end of it, it won't matter. So this is actually a blessing in some ways for Kansas State to be able to have five games against some combination of West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and UCF, because that should be at least four or five wins. And if we've already established all you got to do is get the nine and nine in the Big 12 and you're going to be in the NCAA tournament, then I think uh, right now I would project Kansas State to get there. Uh, we, we talked about it last week that uh, after that Baylor game, they had Oklahoma State, but then they had a really rough stretch of Iowa State, which they'll play tomorrow night. Uh, Houston, they're, they're on the road, Iowa State on the road, Houston. And Oklahoma at home, a bit of a reprieve, as you mentioned, Oklahoma State. And then, and this is just what it comes with the Big 12 schedule, but Kansas, BYU, TCU, Texas, BYU. These next three, Iowa State, Houston uh, on the road, and then Oklahoma at home. How many – Ken Palm has them projected to lose all three. Do you think they lose all three, or do you think they get one of those? I think it is more likely that they lose all three than they win two. Okay. I think it's probably more likely that they win – one as opposed to lose all three, but barely. I mean, barely. And like some mathematician smarter than I could figure out the numbers on that. There's actually a way to figure out, but I bet it's close. I bet it's close. I would take one right now. If you told me I was Jerome and you said, hey, I, 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 you're coaching Kansas State, 
I I can promise you after the next three games, you're you're five and three in the Big Twelve. You're going to go one and two in your next three. You're going to be five and three in the Big Twelve heading into your February third game at Oklahoma State. Will you take it? Yeah. I'll take that. I would take one and two in the the next three. Knowing Jerome, he's going to want to go try to get all three of them. But that's obviously very, very difficult. At Iowa State, just about everybody's going to lose there this year. At Houston, everybody might lose there this year. Uh, At home against Oklahoma, Oklahoma has proven to be one of the surprising teams in the country. The thing to stress, though, and this is what I would stress if I'm Jerome and really would stress to any Kansas State fan, you can lose the next game. You don't want to, but you can and you'll still be projected on track to go 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12. You could lose the one after that at Houston, and you'll still be on track to get where you're trying to get. So don't let the possible stacking of losses derail your um, focus, derail your confidence, get you shaken in any way. Because I don't know who's going to win this league, Houston, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Kansas State, but whoever wins this league is going to go through a stretch where it looks like they're not going to win this league, where it looks like they're struggling because you just have to play too many good teams consecutively on the road sometimes. So don't let the losses that you are always going to take make you forget that you're still on track to get where you want to get, which is the NCAA tournament. So even if Kansas State loses Wednesday, loses Saturday, we'd be talking again heading into next Tuesday's game against Oklahoma, and I'll still say – so it looks like uh, they're on track to make the NCAA tournament, even though they have lost two straight. Yeah. Uh, they're an 11 seed on Lunardi's. Jerry Palm has them as an eight seed. Eight feels better. 11 feels more like a projection, right? Eight feels like what they've earned right now by being yeah. at the top of the big I, I think I think that's right because um, I think that's actually the exact right way to put it. Because as I'm doing the top 25 and one, I do not have Kansas State in there, but they're close. They're, they're close based on the way I do it. And as we talked about a million times, there's a million different ways to evaluate basketball teams. Some people get caught up in the, uh, you know, the Ken Palms and the Torvics. Other people get caught up in the net. Um, other people get caught up in, I don't care if they lost. I just think they've got the best players on the best team. All of it's fair game. I tend to this deep into the season. I want to look at the results of your games. I care less about where you are in Torvik or Kenpom or even the net. I just want to look at your resume relative to the quadrant system because that's what the selection committee is going to use. And right now, Kansas State's one and one in quadrant one, four and three in quadrant two. No losses outside of the first two quadrants. So five and four or one game above 500 in the first two quadrants with zero losses outside of the first two quadrants. That's I know where they are in the computers, like 71st in the net, 56th at Ken Palm, 57th at Torvik. I'm telling you they're like top 30 in the top 25 and one based off of the way I evaluate teams. And top 30-ish in the top 25 and one is way more in line with an eight seed than, say, an 11 seed. If I were evaluating Kansas State's resume right now, I would have it much closer to a 7-8 a than a 10-11. Talking to Gary Parrish here in the program. Uh, Mizzou is Mizzou. There's not a whole lot to report. I mean, the season is going to be what it's going to be. I, I did think last Tuesday they showed a lot of heart, and they certainly showed some fight against Alabama. They didn't back down. Alabama seemed frustrated that Missouri wouldn't just take their their beating, and they got a little chirpy. They got a technical foul after a block shot and those kind of things. And then NATO shoved a Missouri yeah. Tiger player. What that 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 no technical. There was a public reprimand, whatever the hell that right. matters. Uh, you know, that to me should be an ejection out of the game. You you can't shove another team's player, particularly 
that that night when your team had been awfully chirpy, uh, you know, like it just seemed like more of the same. What was your reaction to seeing that? I'll be completely honest with you. I was in studio. I saw it and I just moved on. Okay. I, I didn't make a big deal out of it. I didn't tweet about it. Even more um, evidence that I didn't think it was that big of a deal in the moment. We did an hour long episode of the Iowa College Basketball Podcast last Wednesday morning. I was I didn't bring it up. Matt Norlander didn't bring it up. We didn't talk about it. But I will say, with the benefit of hindsight and having listened to other people, yourself included, I think this is one where I might have discounted it uh, more so than I should have. I looked at that and I went, "No big deal," because nothing happened, and I didn't think Nate was shoving. As much as he was just like, get what it felt like to me was that physical motion wasn't a shove as much as it was a get the F out of here. That's what it felt like to me. Like that was a that was a motion that if you could verbalize that motion, it was if you could attach words to that motion, it was get the F out of here. That's what it felt like to me. But I've heard enough people say, including coaches, make the point that you just you do not touch the other player. Period. You really shouldn't even be talking to another player, but you never put your hands on another player. You probably shouldn't put your hands on your own players, but you definitely put, should put your hands, even if it's in a what appears to be a nonviolent way, because you don't know where that other player is, other team's players, you don't know how he's wired. You don't know what comes next. I, I made this possibly poor analogy on my show. Like you can walk up to me in a bar and put your hands on me, and my instincts aren't to swing on you. All right. My instincts are to like figure like what's going on. Why is this person touching me? My instincts aren't just a man. You touch me. Now we got a punch. But there are people who will, you know, it's they they will fire off in a split second. You touch them. The next move is pop. And so that's among the many reasons I I think Nate was out of line because you just it it might it it did result in nothing other than a public reprimand. But you put your hands on the wrong person. Now it could lead to something more physical. It escalates quickly. Now we've got a nasty scene nobody wants. So that's one where I think I had a bit of a blind spot for it. I didn't think it was a big deal, but it was clearly a bigger deal than I recognized in the moment. And uh, it's something that should should not happen. And if Nate didn't know that then, he he's, he I hope he knows it now. Uh, the the other thing that happened in that game was right at halftime, Dennis Gates' camera happens to be on him as he stops. Tamar Bates coming off the uh, court. And it's very easy to lip read. He says, shut the blank up. Shut the blank up and is on him about something. And, you know, I hadn't seen anything egregious there. The kid didn't, you know, just not guard a guy or or do whatever. That got a little bit of run around here about that. You know, things aren't going well, and you you do that right out there in the middle of the court. It seemed almost like he wanted everybody to see that. Um, Bad look if you're you're recruiting. Is it – or listen, tempers happen, no big deal, move on. If we see that every game, now we got a problem. I just, I think it's one of those things where it's, you know, we have HD cameras and they catch everything these days and it can get some attention on social media, but I don't think it matters that much in the locker room and it doesn't ever seem to matter that much in recruiting. Like I remember when Ole Miss hires Chris Beard, it's like, well, how is he going to recruit? And then the next thing you see is like Chris, Chris Beard with his arm around somebody's mom announcing a commitment. Like it just, a lot of times I, I've, I've learned over the years, a lot of stuff that I think would matter to me just doesn't matter when when it when you get down to the people it matters to so i might look at that and i want to be clear i am somebody who cusses in my 
personal life. I do cuss around my family. <laughs> Honestly, I probably told one of my kids one time to shut the F up. <laughs> right? So, so, um, I can see that and maybe go, God, I wouldn't want Dennis Gates talking to my, my son like that. But I, I promise you like the, I bet you the, the player's fine. I bet you Dennis is fine. I bet you that's not the first time it's happened. And these are often just the ways coaches and players communicate with, with each other. Like I, I, you know, Bob Huggins career in life has gone way off the rails, but I, I it, it, you know, there, there are coaches like hugs that they coach really hard and they yell and they cuss and they get in your face, but they can do that because the stuff we don't see behind closed doors, mm-hmm. the coach has built up enough good stuff there. There's an old cliche in coaching. I don't even know if I subscribe to it, but it is something that I know many coaches do and I'll, I'll get it wrong. Cause I'm not looking at it right now, but it's something along the lines that I'm sure you've heard it before. Um, you can't, you can't show them how much you love them until they know you care about them, or you can't yell at them like that. You can't be hard on them until you know they care about you. Like you can't tell them to you know shut up in that way unless they also know that it's all rooted in a good place and, and you care deeply about their future and their present and everything else. And I bet you without being in that Missouri locker room, I bet you those players have a, an incredible amount of respect for Dennis and that that incident, to the extent that it was incident, I bet it got way more attention among fans than it got in that locker room. I bet you it was a blip, if if even that. Yeah, I know. I, I kind of get that. Because we've seen things over the years, like John Calipari. I've seen John Calipari like on HD television calling one of his players a and P. I apologize if that's inappropriate, yeah. but like it's clear as day, lip reading, and that's one where like if you ever talk to my son like that, people say, but like. You know, as John's beat writer for four straight years, I watched him call 50 different people that exact same thing. And then I watch him like 30 minutes later, they're all at his house joking around watching TV. It just it never matters or it rarely matters as much as it it feels like it might matter on social media. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, we're talking to Gary Parrish here in the uh, program uh, real quick. Uh, are you surprised at how fast Carolina's turned it around? Like it looked like they're in the championship game then it was so bad. And now they're back. Like, is is this the is it, what's the real Carolina? Like, where are, are is it now stabilized? Or I don't know. Is this I the mean, volatility I, of modern but, basketball? But, but but I did have this thought. I think we might have overrated Kansas heading into last season based off how the previous season went, and then might have underrated Kansas heading into this season based off how the previous season went. Now I don't know what you're supposed to base preseason rankings on other than how the previous season went and what you're bringing back and what you're adding to it. Um, but after a title game appearance, we all said, Ooh, Kansas is, I mean, uh, Carolina's Carolina. number one. And then they missed the tournament. And then it was like, they missed the tournament, but I did. And you can find it on the Island college basketball podcast from the off season. I'm like, listen, maybe I'll just be wrong about Carolina again, but I still like the roster. Um, and I thought Caleb love would be addition by subtraction. And I think this is true. I think Arizona is one of the best teams in the country because they got Caleb Love. And I think North Carolina is one of the best t- teams in the country because they got rid of Caleb Love. Yeah. Like your loss can be somebody else's gain. And I think that's clearly it. RJ Davis has taken a jump. I told you like mm-hmm. three years ago, he was the fifth leading scorer on a team with Armando Baycott. Now he's the leading scorer in the ACC on a team with Armando Baycott. So a lot of that was, um, you know, RJ Davis has become a star. Could he even do that with Caleb Love on his team, taking all those shots? Maybe not. Um, they added from the transfer portal. Elliot Cadu's been rock solid. I uh, 
I think Carolina's a real championship contender. And uh, it might be one of those weird deals where they go final four, miss the tournament, final four in the first three years of Hubert Davis's career. Like that might be where we're headed, where we're headed. But um, I think they're good. I think they're really good. Time for our final four with Gary Parrish is brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Uh, if you suffer an orthopedic injury in everyday life or playing sports, you can be seen by the same experts that care for your Kansas City Chiefs. Orthopedic walk-in care is available with no appointment at 435 and all. Uh, weekdays 8 to 7, Saturdays 8 to 2. Find out more at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics. I'll start you with this. Fred Hoiberg does or does not succeed at Nebraska. Right now he's in the tournament on some of the bracketologies. Uh, yes or no, uh, Hoiberg at Nebraska? Will define succeed. Keeps his job for a long period of time. I think he'll keep his job. I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament this year, and Nebraska's not the place where you're going to fire a guy who makes the NCAA tournament. Not not with a big buyout. Fred will be coaching Nebraska next season, I think. Uh, The Chiefs are going to Baltimore. Are you a fan of crab cakes? I don't love them. I, I will I will consume them, but I just remember like my buddy opened a restaurant probably twenty years ago, and he was like uh, he opened a restaurant. He's real proud of it, and I said, uh, "What what what?" He's like, "GP, uh, do you do you like crab? I don't know why I remember this." He's like, "Do you like crab cakes?" I said, uh, "I'll give it a shot." He was like, "You got to try them. the best crab cakes ever." I have no idea, and I remember like he was so proud of them, and I tried them, and I was like, "It's fine," like, <laughs> but I would never order them. I would never order them. I'll eat them if you bring them. But they're not going to be the thing that I order. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, good to know. Uh, another reason to uh, to root for the Chiefs. Um, what seed is Kansas in this tournament when they get there now? What are you feeling? Uh, you know what? I've got Kansas right now ninth in the top 25 and one. That would equate to a three seed. I'm going to say they're a two seed. Okay. I'm going to say Kansas is a two seed on selection Sunday, um, either as like – I don't know if you're Big 12 champs and you win the Big 12 tournament, that's probably going to get you to a one. I just think two. I think two safe. I, I don't know, safe. I just I think two is more likely than one, but I'm not ruling out one. But I'll go two. All right, we've been getting your predictions all along the way, so let's do it again here. Chiefs at Ravens, who you got? I'm, I'm, I'm taking Kansas City. <laughs> if you go win in Buffalo, why can't you go win in Baltimore? This is one where I – and I, like I'm just being honest. Like I, I, I would love to see – because I like – I like some of America uh, – I'm enjoying the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Brittany Mahomes, Jason Kelsey, jumping in the stands, holding up little girls to wave to Taylor. I think it's fat. Like you can't put it on TV enough for me. Like people get so mad. I'm like, put it on more. I can't say it's, it's, it's great. I want to see it all the time. So I want that to last forever. Super Bowl's on CBS. I want Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. So I would like to see the Chiefs win. I do think the Chiefs will win. There's a part of me though that, I totally don't mind Lamar Jackson going to Super Bowl. I love the Lamar Jackson story. I like the idea of a guy who's consistently been told since he at least was in college that he can't do what he's doing, even though he's always been great at what he's doing. People have consistently told him you can't do it. I like the idea of watching that guy do what it is he has been doing for a while. He might be a two-time MVP, might be on his way to a Super Bowl. Um it, it, it just occurred to me the other day, we don't do this with anybody else. Like Nikola Jokic doesn't win an MVP, and we go, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know about him. Joe Wimby doesn't win an MVP, and we go, but I don't, I, know, I, don't know, I don't know if I believe in it. This dude wins an MVP, wins a Heisman Trophy. We say we don't know if he can play that position. Wins an MVP, we say we don't know if he can play the position. In an AFC Championship game, there's still somebody out there who would say, I wouldn't want him quarterback in my team. I like watching people like that succeed. So uh, go Detroit, and then as long as uh, I, can, I can get behind the Chiefs 
Raven story, whichever one emerges, but I would prefer Taylor Swift and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, sure. You're the man, Gary. We always appreciate the time. We'll talk again next week. All right. I'll see you. Bye-bye. We're almost done for the day, but there's just a few more things we'd like to share. But there's still more. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker of this whole thing. On the program. But first, the good sense, end of the hour answer. How many players have had 65 points, 15 rebounds, and five assists in an NBA game? Oh, that can't be many. Maybe Will, maybe uh, 65, 15. And five. And five. Wilt, Oscar Robinson, I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, Russ Westbrook and James Harden had done it of late. Uh, I'll say three. Two. Joel Embiid last night, 70, 18, and five. Michael Jordan in 1990, 69, 18, and six at Cleveland. Wow. That's rarefied air. Yes. Selective company, if and, you will. It's you and MJ, you've done something. Yeah, good sense, goodsensesubs.com. If you're having everybody over for the game, don't forget about the great party trays, uh, great sandwich trays, cookie trays as well. Uh, it's at Good Sense. Uh, go to goodsensesubs.com, put your order in right now. You can pick what day and what time you want to pick it up, and they will have it ready to go. Baking the bread fresh two, three times each day, slicing the meats and cheese in front of you. They've always done that since they were founded right there in Lenexa, Kansas, 35 years and counting. Go to Good GoodSenseSubs.com. That's GoodSenseSubs.com to put your order in today. Uh, leave you with this. The Kansas City Chiefs, six straight AFC Championship games. Six straight AFC Championship games. How many people do you think actually understand and appreciate how unique that is? Uh, not many. I would say not many. I don't think even we do. And we grind no. the numbers. I don't think yeah. we'll know. This is something that you will not appreciate until it's done, until it's over, until you go six straight years with no AFC championship games again. No doubt we waited a long time to see greatness like this, but this is true greatness that you're watching. And, of course, just like everybody else, dinging Patrick Mahomes, knocking on the Chiefs, this is what happens when you're great. Everybody tries to find a reason why you're not great. The reality is they are great. 